1: Hey, this is Mark Asquith from Excellence Expect.
2: Hey, this is Amy Porterfield from the online marketing Made Easy podcast.
1: Hey, this is Riley Meek, author of Food for Thought. If you want to become even better with your relationships.
2: And if you want to build quality relationships with quality people. And if you want to learn how to
1: build better relationships. You should be listening to Build Your Network.
2: Build Your Network podcast.
1: Build Your Network podcast. With my good friend, Mr. Travis Chapel.
2: Travis Chapel.
0: Hey there, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today's Wednesday, which means we are bringing you another topic episode here. If you're new to the show, these topic episodes are basically a mashup of different guests that have been on in the past. And uh, what we do is we go through and we find consistencies that they talk about in their interviews and we put them into single episodes with just bite sized content all around one certain topic. So this one is when to quit your job. I know that there's a lot of people out there listening that still work a nine to five and are trying to get out of it. And if you want to work a nine to five and that's your thing and that's what your goals are, okay, then then that's what your goals are and you should focus on that. But for those of you who are interested in quitting your nine to five to start full-time into your business, whether it's a side hustle right now or whether you're just not sure exactly what that's going to look like, then this is definitely an episode you're going to want to tune into. When to quit your job, we're featuring Amy Porterfield, Mark Asquith and Riley Meek. All three of these amazing entrepreneurs have have, um at one point had a job and then quit that job to pursue what they're doing full time, and they are all doing it rather successfully, multi-seven figures from all three of these people. So I can't wait to share this episode with you guys. But first, really quickly, if you are interested in building and maintaining relationships with the type of people that I've had here on my show over the last 350 plus episodes, then you are going to want to head over to Travischapel.com slash apply because I'm opening up a few more spots in my podcast coaching program. The number one way that I've exploded. My my network in the past couple of years has been through podcasting. There is zero chance that I'd be able to have conversations with the people that I've had here on the show if it were not for this podcast. So I highly encourage you, regardless of if you want it to be the next hit show or you want 50 million downloads, I think everybody should have a show just for the purpose of reaching out and connecting with people who are crushing it in their field. So if that's something that interests you, travischapelcom slash apply, and I will chat with you really soon. And now here is when to quit your job with Amy Porterfield, Mark with and Riley Meek
1: I got my first job in corporate just before my 18th birthday and I got my last job in corporate before my 23rd birthday and quit on the same day I got a new corporate (laughs) job yeah it was was silly I got it was was weird because I got got this new corporate job and i would moved from a, a city called Sheffield in the UK to a city called Leeds in the UK and I'd upgraded my salary by about two grand a year and I was like this is awesome I've got a pay rise. And I was like, wait a sec, I turned up at this new job, and it was the exact same shit as the, the day before at the old job. Mm. And I was like, like, wait a second, I've traded this lack of fulfillment and boring kind right. of, right. you know, just this, this, just this, 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 this nothing that I liked. I've, I've just basically traded my soul for two grand a year extra, and I just left that day, I just quit. Mm.
0: The um, same day spo- that you showed up?
1: Yeah, uh, wow. the guy called Graham, yeah, he was like, what do you mean you're quitting? I'm like, look, man, I'm done, I'm out. I can't deal with this anymore.
0: When you got the job, were you? Was there like a level of excitement? Like, finally, I'm moving on and I can do this other
1: thing now. Yeah, exactly that. Because I'd assumed that they would, (laughs) they would give me something different. Yeah, you know, they would fulfil me a little different, and they didn't. You know, they Mm -hmm. would just, oh, here's here's another task, which is exactly the same as the one that you did at your old job, and I was like, really? Right. I just cannot do it. And at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd left corporate. I wasn't earning too much, you know, maybe twenty grand a year at age twenty two. 23 Mm. i worked with my dad who's an electrician for a couple of months and that taught me freedom this idea that he could be where he wanted when he wanted and earn the money that he wanted when he wanted to do it and, and and always enjoy what he was doing that was a big education for me that right and funnily enough that was in march in may of that year 2005 I blagged my way, because I used to do a little bit of digital training at my old corporate job. I used to train people on the systems there and do a bit of systems analysis and all that geeky stuff. I blagged my way into a, a contract, a freelance contract for the National Health Service here in the UK. Okay. And suddenly went from earning 20 grand a year as a permanent employee to being a contractor to the National Health Service. So still corporate, but I was contracting freelance and jumped up to earning like 130k a year within two months. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like, oh, this is good. I'll just do this forever. Because <laughs> look, I've got all this money. And then I did that for, a, I don't know, I did that for a couple of years. And you know, there were times I was earning 200K a year at, at 24. And I was like, wow. oh, yeah, but it was boring. Right, it, it right. Was, honestly, it was dull, man, so I quit that as well. <laughs> and cause, what, what was the point? It was just money. I was still turning up and reporting to someone, and I realized what the problem was. The problem wasn't the money the problem was the lack of control and the lack of fulfillment. It hmm. doesn't matter how much money I earned doing that. Someone would always tell me where I needed to be and when.
0: Do you think that that's do you think something that you were born with? Or do you think that's something that changed in you over time? Because Obviously, that's not the case for most people. You know, most people, you put them in a job, they're making 200 grand a year, and they will stay there for the next 55 years, (laughs) you know, like, and they'll be happy to do that. And even though they may not like the work or the environment or any of that, they'll still just buck up and do it because that's just what they feel like they should do. Do you think that that's just something that you were born with, was just this, like, uh, I just can't do it? Or do you think it was, like, something that you learned over time
1: i can actually pinpoint when i start to feel like that in my life i can pinpoint it to a day to actually to a an hour to an event and it was if anyone that's seen me speak or anyone that's listened to episodes one through six of my podcast seven minute mentor will, will know this story but it was a hot dog that did it for me the event of purchasing a hot dog <laughs> mm. it's a weird one so i was i was just cast your mind back go back in time remember what it was like in 1991 we were all wearing, wearing shell suits You know, hair was a little bit big.
0: I was actually not in existence at that point, so I can't can't quite remember that. You will not
1: remember that. You (laughs) will not remember that then, man. But uh, hair was big. (laughs) I'll take your word for it, Yeah, do, do, do. Like you said, hair was big. Music was questionable. Clothes were a little dodgy. And (laughs) I was at my last ever school disco at primary school before I went up to high school. And I was, like I said, I was always this great kid and I was always this guy that was like a little bit on the fringes. I had this really core group of friends, maybe three or four decent friends, some of which I still speak to today and still class as extremely close friends. And around that time, around age 10 or 11, I obviously started to notice that females existed of my own age. And I was like, why am I liking these things, these (laughs) other things that right up until now I'd thought were just these awful weird things that you weren't allowed to talk to. So I went to this school disco and I turned up at this school disco. I didn't have really too much in mind for this disco. I was just going to go there and, and and just enjoy it. Now I turned up at this school disco and we, we'd been there an hour. Everything was going fine. There was one girl called Kirsty that I used to really like. And for some reason, a bit of serendipity, we were in this line for a hot dog and there was my friends, then me, and then her friends. And right at the front of her friend's line was her, It's uh-huh. Kirsty. She was stood next to me. I was like, How, how's this worked? This is I like this. <laughs> so we're all queuing up, going for this hot dog. to my turn and the lady behind the counter says okay what would you like i said i can have a hot dog please she gave me the hot dog and asked for 50 pence half of a pound 50 pence in return and i didn't have it i had no money because i come from a really poor family we didn't have the ability to give me that cash to go to this event to this disco and i didn't even realize that it would be just a paid for thing right so in front of literally everyone including the girl that i really wanted to impress i had to give the hot dog back And at that point, I was humiliated, I was embarrassed, I wanted the world to just swallow me up. I never wanted to leave the house again. I didn't want to know anyone. I was done. And that is the second, that is the moment that put me onto that control path. Hmm. Because I thought, wait a second, the reason I feel like this is because I didn't have the money for this thing. Mm -hmm. But actually, the real reason is that that person controlled whether or not I could have that thing. Ergo, that person controlled how I appeared to everyone. Ergo, that person controlled how I felt. Right. Right. And that feeling has spurred me on ever since. That is why I don't let anyone else control anything in terms of where I need to be. Hmm. I will always drive myself to do more. And that's why when I was earning the 120, the 150, 180, 200K a year at age 24, 25, that's why I quit and set yeah. a design agency up. Because it doesn't matter the amount of money, I still felt like I did when I was 10 years old, handing the hot dog back. Someone told me what i could and couldn't do and when i could and couldn't do it and i was like nah this is i'm done <laughs> this you know this is not that great an amount of money 200 grand could i earn that myself yeah probably yeah. i don't know how but right. we'll try it and that's where that problem with authority came from yeah
0: completely <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that is kind of similar to the way that i look at it as well was i've worked at nine to five for a total of like five weeks in my entire life and it was the worst five weeks ever (laughs) and just like you said though it it was just when i realized that people just they tried to control everything that i did and i was even in a sales role where like i was overproducing so it shouldn't have mattered all the other like to me it just didn't make sense i was like look i'm producing i'm doing what i'm supposed to do like why does it matter like uh, the little things that happened in the store or whatever i remember this one lady that i didn't even work for so I was working for a solar company generating leads for them inside of another retail store, and I had to do it because I had to get a salary because I had we were trying to buy a house when I was like twenty twenty one and i didn 't have enough one hundred percent commission years of earnings for the bank to look at it and be like, "Yeah, you deserve to buy this house." so I had to get a salary, so the bank would allow me to qualify for a home loan. So I took this transfer and I was working at this job and I hated it. And I remember this one, this I was sitting down, which I didn't know I couldn't do because nobody ever told me, but some lady that I didn't even work with that worked for the store that I stood in literally wrote an email and took a picture of me sitting, wrote an email to like the district manager of like 25 different stores. And then she got onto my supervisor for allowing me to sit. And then he calls me. was like, dude, why are you sitting? And I was like, my feet hurt. I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Why am I sitting? Like, why is that even a big deal at all? Who cares? I'm producing. I'm making the company money. What's the big deal, man? I, those five weeks just reminded me of how much. Like, well, this is why I don't do this. So, like, two days after we closed escrow on that house, I was like, "Yep, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here, and I, I quit." Like, right at that moment. So control, I think, is the ability to control what the outcome is in your life, what the feelings that you have is so undervalued, I think, a lot of times. This episode of the show is brought to you in part by HoneyBook. If you run your own business, you're used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. When you started the business, did you dream about all those admin tasks like drafting proposals and contracts and all that good stuff, tracking down payments? If that wasn't part of your vision, then you need to get HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. It makes it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services that you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, Gmail, etc. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. So save time and do more of what you love, more of what you're good at, the reason you started your business. Save time and use HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off. Five zero guys, fifty percent off when you visit honeybook.com slash Travis. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to honeybook.com slash Travis for fifty percent off of your entire first year. That's honeybook.com slash Travis. What is up, everybody? This episode of the show is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics, and their mission is simple. To make sure all of your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear. Socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. And I recently went on a little bit of a mini shopping spree on Mac Weldon, and I can honestly say that I'm thrilled with everything that I bought. I got a couple of t shirts, which is basically the majority of what I wear, a couple of long sleeves, some board shorts, some sweatpants, and uh, let me tell you, the fit, the look, the comfort, everything was on point. I love the sweatpants, especially this time of the year, heading into wintertime. That is uh, pretty much what I wear most of the time, especially when I travel. things like that. Just being around the house, I like to be comfortable and their sweats are really, really nice fabric, really comfortable, and they look nice as well. And then in the summertime, the board shorts were actually really nice. They're kind of like a pair of regular shorts, but that also double as board shorts. And uh, one of the best pairs of shorts that I ever bought. Plus, they have an unbeatable guarantee. If you don't like the first pair of like underwear or something like that that you get, you can keep it and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. So for all the other stuff, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And I am a big supporter of this company and I will be in the future as well. So for 20% off of your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Travis. That's MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Travis for 20% off of your first order. What's up, everybody? Just want to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite new podcasting app, Himalaya. If you are not listening to podcasts on this app, you are definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your App Store or Google Play Store, download Himalaya today and then thank me later. First of all, talk to me about like what you were doing in high school and stuff like that. Like were you always kind of this entrepreneurial spirit? Did you is it something that you learned? Did you have these dreams of running a seven-figure online business when you were in high school? Or were you like the, hey, I'm going to go to school and get my degree and stuff like that? How
2: did this Oh go? my gosh, I was definitely not thinking about being an entrepreneur. Sometimes I hear Gary V talk about selling those baseball cards when he was yeah. really young. I don't have any stories like that. I actually no? never thought about being <laughs> you're an just,
0: entrepreneur. You're, you're an imposter, Amy. You're not. Yeah.
2: Really. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I never thought about it. Yeah. I took the corporate route from day one, right out of high school. I mean, right Right out of college, I had a corporate job in publishing and I just focused on moving up the ladder from the different jobs that I had. And so it's funny when I look back and I think that's never really been in my mind. However, my dad, who is a firefighter, so he's blue collar to the bone, he always used to say, Amy, find a way to be your own boss. And he loved his job, but he worked for the city. And so it wasn't something that he was doing, but he always said it to me and my sister. So I think it must have been in the back of my mind.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. So then how is that transition then? I think a lot of people struggle with the whole, like when when you're raised to believe a certain thing is true, meaning that like, hey, school and all this other stuff, this is the way that I'm going to become successful. And then you start realizing that it's not the way that you're going to become successful. A lot of people have a lot of problems with that as far as believing that it's something that is possible for them. Can you talk to us about that transition and how you eventually ended up like started actually putting some of these things into
2: practice? Yes. So when I was working for Tony Robbins, which I did for about six and a half years as the director of content development, I was invited to a meeting and uh, very humbling. I was invited to take notes. So I wasn't even invited to the main table. And at that main table, there was a bunch of internet marketers there. And they were coming in to talk to Tony about their online businesses. He was just venturing out into doing, online launches with his digital products. So he wanted to hear from people who had gone before. And so I sat at a table and took notes and Tony went around and asked the guys, they were all men, what do you do in your business? And if you know the internet marketing space, it was Frank Kern, Evan Pagan, Brendan Bouchard, Jeff Walker, and they were all talking about (laughs) their businesses. I know. And at the time I didn't know who these guys were, but my ears perked up and I thought, what are they talking about? They were talking about creating programs and selling them online and using video marketing and email marketing. And they were also talking about their lifestyle, the fact that they were their own boss, they were calling the shots. And in that moment, definitely it sounds so dramatic and I didn't know it at the time, but my life changed because I was very curious about what the heck they were talking about. And so over the next year, I made some pivots in the Robbins organization. I asked to go over to the marketing department so I could work on these launches and I just learned everything I could. Now, Tony talks about being an entrepreneur. So after you hear that for over six years, it starts to kind of get inside of you. And so with learning the things I learned from Tony, and then also hearing these guys talk about these online marketing businesses and getting to a point that I no longer wanted a boss. So I just reached a point that I thought, I don't want to be on someone else's schedule. I was traveling the world, which sounds so glamorous, but I was always on somebody else's schedule, always creating for somebody else. And I did not want to be told what to do anymore. So I just, something shifted in me. And I thought, I've got to find a way to be my own boss. And that is what propelled me into being an entrepreneur.
0: There's so many things to pick apart here, but one of the things that I really like about this is, okay, so how old were you at this time? Amy?
2: I was in my early 20s or mid-20s.
0: Okay, so early to mid-20s when you were working with Tony. This is a huge thing that I work with people sometimes because they lose this level of practicality because they get swallowed up in the idea of being an entrepreneur. And I think there's so many people that just give up their income stream way too soon. Like it'd be the equivalent to you like getting into that space and being like, you know what, this is dumb year one and then getting out and trying to do your own thing. You like Tony talks about being an entrepreneur all the time and how it's beneficial, all this other stuff. So then you're just like, man, I should go do that. And then you just like jump in and... You don't have anything, you don't have any seed capital. You gotta live on a couch. Like there's so many different levels of practicality to this. Like you do not have to like go jump into entrepreneurship right now, today, in order to be a real quote unquote real entrepreneur. I don't even know what a real entrepreneur really is, <laughs> to be honest. You know what I mean? But some people like get like fall in love with the Gary B mentality. And I I love all of almost all of what Gary B has to say. And I think even if you talk to him, he would tell you like, hey, be practical. Like he got a family to provide for. You can't just like go quit right now. But right. something he does talk about is taking advantage of those hours between 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. That's why I like so much about what you said. You're like, hey, I had this aha moment when I was in a meeting and I was expecting you to say, and then the month after I quit, but it wasn't that. It was a year later after like switching departments, learning more and more and more, and then gaining all this information and education, then that's when I switched. And that's when I took everything that I've learned with money that I made and then started my own thing. So now you're in your mid twenties, you're starting your own business. What route do you take it in?
2: So at that point, I started working on social media consulting with small businesses, which is not what my plan was. So by now I'm getting into about 29, 30 years old. So I started Robbins when I was about 24. So I ended when I was about 30. And then I went out on my own. And so I started to do my social media marketing for small businesses. And I wanted to create online training programs and sell them in launches because that's what I learned at Robbins. But I didn't know what to teach. I didn't know how to create an online training course. And I just did what I knew. So I did a lot of social media and learned a lot of it before I left Robbins. So I did that for two years. And I tease, but it's very serious. I created a business I hated, I hated doing social media consulting for small businesses. It was just not a good fit for me. I often tease that I left having one big boss. Tony's a big guy physically. Mm -hmm. I left having one big boss to like eight mini bosses. I had no boundaries. So I had all these clients bossing me around telling me what to do. And it just wasn't a good fit. And funny enough, One thing that changed everything after those two years of me realizing I do not like this business I created, my experience with networking propelled me into the next stage of my business.
0: Okay, so great transition there. <laughs> so yeah, let's just keep so... talking on that. Okay, so this is something I was going to come back to the story about Tony because that is something, if I could go back to when I was 18 or 19, that's something that I would definitely do. And that's what I write. If you're listening to this and you are 18, 19, 17, 16, around that age, I highly recommend go find somebody that you admire, somebody that you follow their content, really love what they're doing, and go learn from them, like go work for them, ask to do whatever that they need done and get around those people. That's something that I I really wish that I would have done when I was a little bit younger, but you obviously made the most of that time going forward. How did that time with Tony help you? And then talk to us about how networking transitioned you to the next stage of your business after that.
2: Okay. So working with Tony was amazing in the sense that I learned so much. I was a sponge for sure. I think the biggest lesson I learned there was that anything is possible. Meaning if you are resourceful, you can always find the yes in any situation, no no matter how dire it might seem. And so with my business today, my team knows like anything's possible. We are never going to say no. If we think that we want to do something, we're going to figure it out. So that's helped me every step of the way. But here's what happened. I went out on one of the biggest shifts leaving Robbins and making money right away was that I helped with a white paper, while I was still at Robbins, Tony wanted a white paper for to promote an event. This is way back in the day when white papers were way more popular, and Tony wanted yeah, yeah, right. So it's like this big report that you yeah. put together, and we found a guy named Mike Stelsner to write the white paper, and I was the liaison between Tony and Mike Stelsner. Mike and I started to really form a great relationship. So I put myself out there, and I told them a little bit about my situation and I followed what he was doing. And he was just getting started with a website called Social Media Examiner, which is wildly <laughs> popular now. And so me networking with Mike in that situation and really being a liaison between Tony and Mike propelled me into my next stage because Mike said, Hey, if you're really serious about leaving, I've got this website I'm starting and you can come over and help me with some things. And I've got a lot of work. So he was actually one of my very first clients, which was really cool. But here's the coolest thing from there. And i tell this story all the time. So I'm not just telling it just because this, you know, you do a podcast around networking. This truly is part of my story in the sense that from there, Mike started taking me to blog world, which was in Vegas at the time. And I'm totally dating myself because I don't even think this event is around anymore. But (laughs) we went to blog world every year, Mike would take me and I would wrangle people for him to interview for his brand new website. So I'd literally go get big names and say, can you come back? And Mike's going to interview you for a show kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when I did this, I met so many people. So I put myself out there. I'm an introvert to the core. And real
0: quick too, too, sorry to interrupt. Did people know who Mike was at this event? Or was it just like, hey my boss wants to interview you.
2: So we set the interviews up in advance. So we told them who Mike was in case they didn't know. He got had it. a name for himself, but nothing like he has now. And right. so we set it up in advance before we got to Vegas. And then I'd have to go wrangle these people and say, remember you said you'd do an interview? Well, it's yeah. time kind of thing. Okay, got So it. Go ahead. I got to meet all these people. So it was like networking at its very best. And while I was there, I met Lewis Howes and we became fast friends at this network. At- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? So we became fast friends at Blog World. And one day, it was like the second year in a row, he said, hey, Amy, I want you to create a Facebook product and I want to promote it. Him and his partner at the time, Sean Malarkey. And so I said, really? And he said, yeah, it would be a great thing. Now, Lewis had a name at that time, but again, not as big as he has now. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yes, it just felt right. And if I didn't put myself out there, this would have never happened. And the product I did with lewis it was my very first successful product. It was incredible incredibly lucrative. And from there, it propelled me into my most successful programs to date. And so putting myself out there literally changed the trajectory of my future.
0: So Riley, talk to me about what it was like to be, let's say, 14-year-old Riley. What'd you you have going on? Likes, dislikes, family life, all that kind of stuff.
3: Oh, man. All right. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, South Dakota, small, small town, South Dakota, like less than a thousand people so you can imagine there wasn't a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you said 14, but I'll I'll actually maybe fast forward it to to 15. At the age of 15, I, I, you know, I had to, I figured I should get myself my own job. Nothing, something that my, my parents didn't really ask of or anything like that, but it was just within me, like I should start to maybe contribute. And, um, the only job I could get in this, this huge metropolis of a thousand people was, uh, pizzas at a, uh, a small town gas station. And um, I, I got paid $5.15 an hour. Nice. Nothing better than, than gas station pizza, bro. Right? Absolutely. So that didn't last long. I, I worked at an eight hour shift. And um, I did the math in my head and thought, there's no way I'm doing this again. So my very, very first day of my job was really my last day of a job. And um, that really started my entrepreneurial kind of journey. And um, my family was really involved with some network marketing companies. And I I started to kind of dabble into that a little bit, which was interesting being young, but uh, it is something that really helped to kind of just develop who I am, just getting involved with uh, just like-minded individuals. No matter what it was that they were selling or pushing or promoting, it was just like I drank the Kool Aid hard, uh, but it was a great Kool Aid. You know, it was just all about personal development.
0: Exactly. You know that it's it's interesting you bring that up, bro. Because the more people that I talk to that are successful in traditional businesses, that it's it's uncanny how many of them, at least at some point in their lives, dabbled or went all in on network marketing. Like at some point, you know what I mean? Like just the culture that it brings you into. You know, like learning from people like Jim Roe. Like that was the first. Whenever I did network marketing, I basically memorize this Jim Rohn audio track. It's not even a, a, you know, I think it's available on Apple Music or something. It was a CD or it was a tape that was turned into a CD that was turned into an MP3. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But it's so good. Like I'll listen to it right now. And even though I'm not even building a network marketing business, it's so many things that are so applicable
3: to other areas of life. So absolutely. You know, they kind of, you hear the saying like, you know, everybody should be a a waiter once or a waitress once to to have that experience. And I kind of had that, same sense or same feeling towards, you know, network marketing, it's got a bad rap for over the years for certain reasons. But I mean, at the core, I think it's a brilliant model. And it it really uh, pushes people to do the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's what I tell people is you gotta do either network marketing, door-to-door sales, or telemarketing If you do one of those three things. Like, especially if you're, you know, especially if you're young, listen to this, and you're like 17, 18 years old, just out of high school, maybe you're looking to get a job in college. You know what I mean? Like doing one of those things is gonna be, you'll, you'll probably learn more doing those things than you'll actually learn in the classroom at college. Absolutely, <laughs> but, absolutely. I would
3: completely agree.
0: But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I just want oh, to make I that. I love point it, man.
3: That's great. So, um, yeah, that's a, the day I graduated high school. I moved up to the, the Twin Cities, which is where I reside now, part time at least. Uh, my wife and I we have a condo down in Florida as well, so we're back and forth um, a little bit. But it was some a lot of people ask me, you know, why I moved to the Twin Cities, and it wasn't necessarily to come here to Minneapolis. It was more so to get out of the small town and community that I was in. And uh, it was literally the day I graduated. I my car was packed, and I drove up here, and uh, you know, just kind of started my my next path or next journey. And my original thought was to go to school traditionally, become a doctor, and and you know, go down that road. And even being the entrepreneur that I entrepreneur that I kind of was during that time period, that was my still my thought process. You know, go to school, get the education, and um, that was the path I was going down. But as I was doing that, I just went to a little community college. Here in the, the Minneapolis metro. And I ended up getting a two year degree in exercise science, glorified physical education. But it, that was kind of the path that I, that I was taking. But as I was doing that, I, I started to make a decent income with the particular company that I was with at the time. You know, I was 19, I was making over 10 grand a month retailing nutritional supplements. I put together, you know, just kind of learning through this process, different marketing campaigns on how to get people to respond. And when I started to make that type of money, I, you know, I thought I was something 19 years old and making 100 grand a year and you know, like, good, I bought my first BMW. And I thought, well, the heck was school, man, why would I? Why would I want to do that? And again, um, nothing against it. It's just that that was the path that I that I loved. I love the freedom, but also just the opportunity for a really unlimited opportunity, you know, whatever I conceive in my mind, I I felt like I could achieve. And so that's what I was doing, focusing on, on growing that business. I had an opportunity to expand overseas, they were opening up operations in another country. And that's when I really thought, man, this is it. This is going to be my big, my big uh, step to international business, and and I'll, I'll head over there. I literally bought a one way ticket, and I was what 19 at the time. I bought a one way ticket, and I thought I'm going to go over there and uh, make this thing happen. I didn't know a soul over there. This is in Malaysia, of all places, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and uh, I I landed. I had actually a 13 hour layover in Singapore and had a complete panic attack. (laughs) Literally one of the worst things I've ever experienced. Why do you think that was? The culture shock. And for me, it was was no question. Like I was just going to go do it and never even thought about it until you're on a 12-hour flight. And then you land and and then it's just like the culture shock. I'd never been, I mean, I'd been out of the country one time and that's like a family vacation prior to this. And so it wasn't, it was just a new, just a complete shock to my system. And and I right. spent about two and a half days over there until I just freaked out. And I came home with my tail between my legs, man. <laughs> was embarrassing it was it was kind of one of my I call one of my my first midlife crisis (laughs) yeah yeah your quarter life crisis exactly there we go yeah so I came back to the states and and you know I was like engaged to be married at this time I thought this is what I was going to do and this is just my my path but it was I felt like a complete failure and I thought man is this really what I'm going to do is this is this what I want to do I need to be able to provide for my my wife my, my future family and I thought well let's go let's get into insurance and I actually got my series 6 my series 63 my life and health and I thought I'm going to be an insurance salesman that's a, you know it's still kind of somewhat like network marketing but I can build a book of business and and grow two months into that I was I crushed it out the gates of course you know you're working your warm market it's something that I learned and and everybody that I knew you know trusted me and and so it was you know, salesman of the month, the first month and things like that. But that's then I just had like this, like I couldn't, I just, nothing against insurance, but I just, I just didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And I just, I had another opportunity a few years, you know, fast forward a few years. basically at that point, I got involved with just more direct sales where I saw a great ad. It was really selling home remodeling products. And it was telemarketing leads where I would, you know, have to, drive five hours just to find out that they would slam <laughs> the door in my face. You know, it was just kind of, it was, it was a struggle. But been, there's there, one,
0: bro. been there, literally been there.
3: There's one thing that I remember still to this day, which has really helped me throughout this whole process is, is in the hiring phase, the manager, his name was Jason. And he looked me dead in the eyes and said, man, this, this job is 85% negative. But if you can focus on that 15%, you're going to, you can get rich doing this. And, you know, at 20, uh, I was 21, 22 at the time. And I thought, okay, I mean, I can do that, you know, 15%. So, so it didn't bother me, you know, at least to the extent of when I would get, you know, the door slammed on my face or whatever the case, it didn't really bother me because I knew I just had to focus on that, you know, that 15%. And, and that really, I learned so much in that. And as you had said before, it's like, everybody should try something like that. It was one of the best learning experiences in addition to you know, the background in network marketing and things of, of just learning how to interact and, and communicate effectively with people.
0: And, so- and like how to read people and different things. Like, so just to give you a heads up, I, I did door-to-door sales for about six years, just like door-to-door sales, training, management, recruitment, all that kind of stuff. And the ability, I think like the number one thing to, to take away from it was the increase in emotional intelligence the ability to not just listen to somebody's words but actually be able to read body language and hear things in their tonality that they're not actually telling you and then come up with some sort of reason or overcome some sort of objection that they didn't even exactly tell you but you knew they were thinking like it it just taught you this kind of mind chess game that a lot of people play and uh, there's just so many lessons that i took away from from doing your door but i think that was probably chief among them and that's exactly exactly what you're talking about and that that's what i hear in this story man like it's funny because there's always like a point of success right which we're gonna to get to here in a second. But what I love about your story is that you started when you were super young and you saw some success and then you went and tried something else and then that didn't work and then you went and tried something else and then that didn't work and then you dabbled in network marketing and then that didn't work and then you went and did this other thing and, and then, then you started doing this sales thing where 85% is negative, 15% is positive and then you you just dug in and did your thing there and like learned a bunch of lessons. And it's funny because a lot of people will say the same thing about you know what I do now. And uh, I just like, well, how have you done this in uh, sh- such a short mar- amount of time? And it's like, well, I don't really look at it as a short amount of time. I look at it as like everything that I've done in the, you know, since I was 18, 19 years old, all of the crappy landscaping jobs that I used to sell all of the the times where I went and drove two hours to a lead that didn't answer or, you know, those different things that that came up and it's all, of, it's the culmination of all of that learning and like busting your butt and falling flat on your face. That's where the success comes from. But yeah, anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but yeah, go
3: ahead. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's all great. And I, and yeah, I just completely agree with everything you said. It wasn't as I was going through the, you know, this, journey, we'll call it, and I'm still on it, and it will be until the, the day I die. But I think as I was going through it, it wasn't ever really about, I had highs and lows, ups and downs with making money. But I think part of the reason it was just like, you know, am I going to do this the rest of my life? Like, I just felt like there was always something more. And it, it may sound silly to people listening to this that are like struggling to financially to make money. It's like money isn't everything until you don't have enough of it. And when you don't have enough of it, that's when it quickly becomes everything. And that's, that was just kind of my journey through this process where it's like, okay, I could figure out how to be successful at sales and, and sell this, but I wasn't really passionate about it. So I would move on to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. until.
0: Yeah, so funny, man. There's so much crossover between our stories because that, that's basically exactly what I did it was just I tolerated what I did because I liked the time, freedom, and the money. And then, but that's eventually how I got into podcasting is just like, I'm sick of just doing this because it like makes me good money and allows me to have freedom throughout the day. I want to do something that I actually enjoy doing, which is when I jumped into all of the stuff that I'm doing now. But there's so much, I think, value in understanding that sometimes you do need to buckle down and just understand that you're you're in a situation that maybe you don't like, but you can't just like stop it right now there's also practicality to making a transition to move into something else, but also understanding that you do need to take action a certain direction, but it doesn't mean that you can just like stop immediately just because you don't feel like it anymore.
3: Absolutely. There is, you know, especially if you've got family, kids There's, you know, the older I've gotten the, I don't want to say cautious, but it's just the more strategic I've, I've had to be uh, in making those transitions um, just because if it's, you know, when's it when you're young and dumb and you don't care like it's not a big deal <laughs> you know but when you're starting to have people rely on you for certain things it was definitely more of a strategic moves and at least for me
0: well that's it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in as most of you know i talk a lot about giving value to others This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas this coming November, then you're going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited, so you need to act fast on this. Head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will overdeliver deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.